0: Okay. It
1: happens here and it finishes here. Two men enter. One man.
2: Nearly a two word review. It just a shit
1: sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last That right there is a wonderful. Wonderful.
2: Welcome back to the basement, Fellow Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to another exciting
3: adventure
2: with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. And in a rare turn of events, my friend, Mr. Marcus K. Dowling, is down here with me. I am indeed here. Marcus, we are talking about something very fucking important. Yes. Uh, today, we are talking about something that we have uh, talked about, I think, over the years that I've known you on and off mic. Sexual harassment and assault in workspaces. We know this is the hot button it's the hottest topic in the world right topic now. Topic in the world, and as we see, and I am very pleased by this, uh, it continues to roll on today. Brett Ratner, uh, Kevin Spacey, a few days ago, yeah, like which which Kevin Spacey, bro, you, you just did do two kinds of fucked up, like, um, obviously Harvey Weinstein, yeah. and like uh, Andy Dick,
3: I mean, like every, everybody. Everybody. Everybody's going the all...
2: senior VP of news at NPR yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, so, so, kids, you know, we've told you this before. If you don't understand that this is a problem, this is a problem with your privilege as a man or as whatever, uh, it is deep. Uh, but what we have today is a panel put together. It's it's you and me. Yeah. Had a good time. Uh, our friend Eduardo, who's sitting in the, the chair that he shall not be sat in by him but he was sitting in that right uh our friend aaron uh, frisbee from fuzz queen yes came by and talk. she does a lot of work uh, in this area and uh mr andrew Coe, who is a representative of an organiza- organization called girls against uh you can find him on com slash girls against and um this is basically a, a organization that started in uh the uk and they Saw this happening as teenagers and and they experienced it happening and and where people were getting groped in the audience and they looked a little deeper and said, holy fuck, this is like (laughs) this is what it's like for people. And and what's fascinating about that to me is like that. Yes, that is what it's like out in the world. And and so we have a good long discussion uh, about this and I've got some links in the show notes. They just put out their September newsletter. We're gonna have a link for that. They have a book club, uh, and uh, Andrew did a uh, interview with a band called the Coat Hangers, talking about this very subject. Huge fan of Coat Hangers, by the way. Yeah. So, so, but before uh, we get to this, I wanted to sit with you to to yeah, to illustrate this point of uh, we know that men are gross, and we know um, that there should be boundaries. Of course. Right? You work in a nightclub. So, I you, so you see I all this. So this is going to get interesting. Absolutely do. Yeah. And, and what I want to illustrate to people is is hopefully we're going to get like sort of a litany of things that, that dudes, if you're listening to this, if you ever said any of these things, if you ever have done any of these things, uh, you're the problem. Yeah. To make that
3: clear. No, 110%.
2: So I'm going to start with this. Uh, if you're in the club or anywhere and you don't know a person, you cannot look at them and say,
3: nice ass, baby. Now you go. Um, you You absolutely can't put hallucinogenic and or disabling substances in people's beverages.
2: That is true. That is true. If you are on the dance floor and it's getting sweaty, you cannot reach behind somebody and grope them.
3: Uh, let's see. There's a, a number of things you cannot do, including um, making inappropriate gestures towards women to make them feel unsafe in the club. Like that's just not okay. Like,
2: would one of those gestures be looking at me like "What's up, sweet tits" and then grabbing her tits?
3: I think that's, that's that's totally within that within yeah, the realm. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I just want to make it clear because
2: I've heard that people are out there that actually will do that, and it doesn't make sense to me or you, but, no, it's the, but, but this happens. Yeah,
3: it's just like I think that in, in general, just – you have to respect a woman's freedom – To have freedom to freedom to assemble. Well, that's what we're getting to. But 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 I
2: want I want to I want to I want to name the shit. Yeah, I think that Marcus. Marcus, can you take out your dick and and masturbate into
3: a plant, and then Uh, give a lady a little wink? I no. You also can't (laughs) accompany, and this is a thing that happens a lot in nightclubs that I've been to. You cannot accompany women into the the women's bathroom. Correct. And why is that? Because uh, a woman's allowed freedom of uh, expression and freedom of uh, assembly. You cannot ask somebody
2: now, uh, which is a weird thing. Like, show me where the bathroom. Matthew Mondanale of DuckTales, whose stuff has all been re- removed from streaming no. services.
3: You can't do that. Um, you You can't buy a woman a drink, and then assume that that is free reign to talk to her and that she has every right then to go home with you. You also can't
2: show up at that woman's address, however you found it out, unless she invited you.
3: Right. Um, You you can't presume that uh, a woman, by virtue of you two having a conversation, is your property – for the rest of the evening, yeah, you can't do that. that. That's a that's a popular one for a lot of guys at and, and, and the nightclub space and also in the live performance venue space. Is that you know when you're out and you you meet a woman and you're you're talking to her and you know you just naturally presume that because you're having a conversation that you know like she's only supposed to yeah. have a conversation with just you for the evening and that's right. that's not true.
2: You can't call a woman a bitch, slut, skank, cunt, whore. Or asshole, just because she says, I am here with my boyfriend and I don't really want to talk to you.
3: Yeah, um, I'm also going to say that no still means no. No always means no. Yeah, I think that people lose track of that because they presume that, I mean, because everybody's had that situation where there's a gray area. Um, I want to dissuade everybody from the notion that even believing that a gray area exists does not exist because it doesn't exist um like you presume that sometimes you're like okay maybe she said no because it's no for right now um i think the thing that people just need to do in general in the future is just take extra caution Take a hundred and twenty five percent caution in every situation and take people even if so and so is drunk, even if so and so is impaired, even if so and so is in the middle of a loud crowded room you can 't quite hear what they 're saying Well, yeah. like you have to presume that if somebody says no that you're you're just done like that 's what it is like you're okay, done cool you're like, done sir awesome the, Great. The, no no
2: like the meaning of no is just you exit a situation and you do not reengage the situation hey, I think
3: also that you
2: have if to, if if say for example though say your club date went well and you get back and she has passed out no that no
3: <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna also say that, that there's a there's a, a general thing about giving women agency mm-hmm. in a situation um I think that 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 nightlife and de inhibitants uh, give people a sense that women don't have agency uh, in, in public spaces and you have to give women agency, full agency in public spaces. I think that's the thing that comes up in this conversation and that you have to be aware of, of that in, in general. I think that there's a thing about there's a there's an unlearning that has to go on in, uh, from, from men mm-hmm. entering into these spaces yeah. where you have to understand that women have more agency probably even than you have. Yeah. So you have to be willing to like take that sort of like all, lack of agency in the conversation. All the power gentlemen. You right. have you have none. Yeah. None. Under, like,
2: understand that. And 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 if you can't get used to that, it, that time's and, coming to an end.
3: And it's crazy because I feel like for a lot of men and just for a lot of like, you know, people who are in our, you know, our line of work, you know, even in in the music industry and whatever mm-hmm. side it is, that there was a value placed on male agency yeah in in the especially especially in the sale and consumption of popular culture within the musical space um you know everything from david lee roth to uh dr dre to yep. um yep to Kendrick Lamar we, we know we
2: know the we know the industry is lousy with this and everything, but what we're saying like but, to, but, to you now but it's not, we,
3: but that's that that era is
2: dead well it's not even the yeah that era is dead, but it was never okay is, right. is the point we're trying before we get into this like this is going to be a more nuanced conversation right but uh, before to set we get some ground into, rules like yeah, set some ground like y- guys y- you can't anymore. Because everybody is coming for you, like it's it, and and look, you will get turned out, you will
3: get <laughs> turned over, and you will get like destroyed. I think that the most important thing about this conversation for me, after I, I, talking about ex post facto, mm-hmm. is that um, it, it's great in understanding where we are moving forward. Like, I think the one thing that the Weinstein thing did, just like the Bill Cosby thing, is that, I mean, even more so than the Cosby thing, because Bill Cosby, being that he's an African-American male, I think, on some level, and also he was a comedian, yeah. I think also, like, just kind of set, like, a lot of is this into the realm of, like, jokery and bullshit rather quickly. Like, yep. you know, Bill Cosby became a punchline. Uh, Harvey, you can't make a punchline out of Harvey Weinstein. And what he did. You no. just can't. It's not possible. So I think that though the the that moving forward this is a cool conversation to have in the sense that, you know, like Erin especially being in the room and being that she's a strong female voice in the room. Yep. Like that's important. Like you have to like value those voices first now. And it's fascinating. Like for me, like I work at a twelve thousand square foot nightclub. And it's a nightclub. It's a retro-themed nightclub. And one of the great things about retro-themed nightlife is that you get to hear all the great music. One of the weird things about retro-themed nightlife is that all the women who work at our nightclub, for the most part, like wear almost no clothing. Yeah. It's just what it is. But it's all, But the thing is that's intriguing about that is that it's a it sets a weird paradigm. Because, okay, so in 1991, which is the era we're kind of going back to mm-hmm. in our nightclub, like... These women had no agency, and it was expected that they had no agency. And now, yeah. and now they yeah. wear this clothing, but it's only in an abstract sense. Like you've take, like it's 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 weird because we're and we're having issues with it in the club. And I can talk about it openly. I I feel like we we can talk about this because it's important, in the sense that you have to look at sex. In a, in the music industry and in the nightlife industry and in nightclubs and well life overall, but I think especially given this conversation and especially people that are going to shows, you have to look at sex as an abstraction. Hmm? Like you can't look at it as like I'm gonna go see this raucous band and I'm gonna go get laid. Correct. That's not the the thing anymore. Like we well, don't it, do no, that. No it...
2: This is this is super important. It was never the thing.
3: Right, but but the thing was, though, is that, is that because of the, the, the toxic nature of masculinity in our industry... Yeah, yeah. ...and because of the dominant power structure and because of the the, the the media messages that were placed into our industry and placed in our midst, like, you have to unlearn all of that, like, ASAP. There's no, like... You, you have to you don't do have it have immediately. A, you don't have it an option. Yeah. And, and I, say, I say that because of, you know, like, being at Decades and such. Like, it's fascinating, like I said, to see, like... Scantily clad women as an abstraction. As mm-hmm. like you look at it and you go, "Oh, this is a fascinating cultural replica of 1991 right. in the United States." Right? Wow, that was such a weird, fascinating time. We sexualized women to a degree where they sold things. Right. And now we're like, "Oh, that's just well, we what still it was. we still
2: do." We still do, but, but we what, still do. But, but what, have, what, we're, what we're saying, yeah, uh, with this conversation we're having right now, and the conversation you're about to hear is is that. Uh, there is a massive difference between sexualizing something to sell a product to actually like physically yeah the tangible trying to sexually engage with something right, the tangible that, that nature... you see as a product and you can't dudes
3: yeah you you can't do that Sexual sexuality in nightclub nightlife music, you know, spaces yeah. is no longer tangible.
2: Mm.
3: Uh, not that it ever should have been, but it was. And we've and, we're, well, and we're, we've reached we're, that we've reached, we've the, reached the point dude. where it's gotten to the point where we have to have these conversations in order to stop we don't even this have, behavior. We don't even have these conversations. We need, It needs to be shut down. Right, right, right. But you have period. to have these conversations because in order to really get why it has to be shut down, you have to like re-educate people as to the intrinsic worth of female bodies and male bodies in relation to each other within these spaces. Yep, and I think, I think this
2: might be part of the beginning of that, but I will also say... That it is not on anybody to reeducate men. It's on you, men, to fucking step the fuck up and stop being assholes. Yeah, when
3: you see people in spaces doing shit like that, you have to stop them and look at them and go. You and- stop
2: them and end it. You kick them out. Uh, His cold messenger just did a great thing. They said, if they, if and I, I'm assuming it stemmed from a thing that they saw. If they see anybody in their crew getting assaulted, getting uh, harassed, or anything. That's it for the gig. We say this in this thing. That's it for the gig, yeah. but that's also it for the venue. That's the last time you play there.
3: And that's and you, good. And you shout it out. And that's good. And that's there is
2: nowhere to hide anymore. But, uh, you know, the last thing I'm going to say, the last, the biggest thing you can't do, uh, which hopefully we'll see the end of of the consequences as soon as, no matter your fame level, no matter your power level, you cannot just grab women by the pussy. Nope. Nope. Sure can't. And anybody who voted for the man who said he can do that should be ashamed of themselves. And we're moving on to a different world. Yes. And we're going to get rid of this guy. And we're not going to do it anymore. Hmm? This we is can't. not going to be acceptable. So just from from our little basement here, consider yourself on notice. And and with that, let's dive into this conversation because this is a great conversation. So. Here you go, talking with uh, Andrew Coe, uh, Aaron Frisbee, uh, myself, Marcus Dallin, and Eduardo about Girls Against, a great organization that you need to get in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> We're mostly talking about... The real problem, yes. <laughs> the real real problem. You guys ready? Yes. We'll roll into this. Uh, Thank you, guys, for hanging out, Mr. Dallin, You're over there. Shout because you're not on the mic. Hello. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Dallin. Uh Eduardo, you are in the chair that shall not be. I'm in the special chair. You are in the special the spiker, chair. Uh, uh, Aaron Frisbee, you've been down here before I from have. Fuzz Queen. Glad mm-hmm. to see you back. Uh, Thanks for having me. Hope Arrow's doing okay.
4: Oh, Arrow's really great. She had she had her little friend over today. Oh.
2: Doggy play date. Doggy play
4: oh, date.
2: Um, and and joining us uh, from an organization called Girls Against Andrew Co. Is that how you say your last yeah. name?
1: Okay, we yeah.
2: Welcome to the basement, sir. Thank uh, you. you actually reached out to us. What is this? About two weeks ago. Yeah. You said yeah. something about pushing out uh, a tweet or something. And I was yeah. like, nah, dude, let's come over and talk about this. Yeah. And to, what we're talking about is uh, essentially. I'll let you like sort of explain the organization a little better, but uh, my understanding is is this is concerned with sexual harassment and assault specifically in the music space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For, um, concerts, uh, it's a UK based campaign started off by five teenage girls, um, in three spots. And it's all because of, you know, the internet through Twitter, um, Hannah, Anna, Annie, B and, uh, Ava, um, uh, majority is in Scotland, but we mm-hmm. have B who's over in London. um, and it's all because of the British indie scene that's been really supportive of the campaign. Uh, Hannah was groped at a uh, a peace gig. It, it band's name is Peace, um, indie rock band, um, and it's a really just horrifying story because um, about maybe uh, a month before the the campaign officially started, uh, I went to my first gig, and uh, it was over at the Nine Thirty Club. And yeah. me being a big you know DC punk fan and just music fan in general, you know about the history of the 930 club. So me just waiting in line it was just such a buzz. And um the night for me was just such a religious experience because I'm in a band now. I want to pursue music full time. And uh to have that story come up on my like Twitter timeline it was just horrifying. And any person um to be put in that position and to be like she was at the front the barricade right. and have a she couldn't see the dude so it was just like a bigger gentleman push all his weight on this girl and just feel her up. It was just horrifying um, to hear. And so uh, I instantly wanted to get in some way, shape or form, a form of contact an ability to join the campaign to help out. Cause um, I knew that I was going to go to gigs a lot more often. I knew that if I ever saw anything like that, that I would at least try to inform somebody, tell somebody in security or just, you know, help in some way, shape or form the person affected. Um, the great thing is we have about 55 representatives over in the UK and else in scattered parts around uh, Europe. Um, I'm one of five over in North America. We have uh, the lovely Molly over in Toronto and then the rest of other um, people in like L.A., Vegas and Atlanta so forth. Um, but me personally, getting posters in Rock and Roll Hotel was a big step, being able to interview um bands like bleach best coast the Hangers, mm-hmm. that type of thing a uh, slow dive is an interview that's going to be re- um, posted up soon after this podcast that i'm very much looking forward to so yeah um the big thing is just we all know it's a microcosm of a much larger issue right. and um but music you know it, it connects with everybody i mean there's not one person that doesn't like one tune up. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. If you don't like music, you're kind of odd, you know, so let's, let's just face <laughs> if it. You just, if you're in this basement, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, a- yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. sure. So um, if at any point, you know, your favorite band or, you know, from, you know, your friends or who anybody who goes to a live venue who maybe hears about Girls Against It gets interested, you know, and you hear about people getting harassed and felt up at a very close environment, dark, especially at a mosh pit or just anywhere, you know, and lack of security, it's just really scary and horrifying so um just to try to get the word out in this space so that maybe we can branch out into the general wider conversation
2: well i mean you know there's always been this dichotomy in in rock and Aaron, you can probably speak to this too you know sex drugs and rock and roll man yeah and it's all and you know if people aren't uh we were talking about this with ab if people aren't and by people i mean men yeah aren't raised correctly to understand boundaries, to understand what they should and shouldn't do. Then sex, drug and rock and rolls in the seventies, like Harvey Weinstein's defense was like, Oh, that was just a different time. There's never been a good time for this. And then there's I mean, abuse is abuse is abuse. And just, um, and you know, so there's that thrill of the, event of the industry it's mm. rock and roll man yeah but there's also built into that I think you know you relate to your bands you have your scenes and you're supposed to feel safe yeah and I think what more and more people have been drawing attention to it's always been going on let's not pretend that this is like something because of Trump it's like it's not yeah for sure uh, it's always been going on but uh, more and more people are actually shouting it out which is good and one of the reasons we want to talk to you about this is to like, to try and work through some solutions and see, like, what, like, the worst that we know that's happened. And so, like, Matthew, uh, Matt Mondale from yeah, Real Estate recently. For sure. If you read those allegations, he literally kidnapped somebody. Yeah. hmm And, you know, those aren't people necessarily in, in my scene, but like I told you upstairs, been around that. And he's yeah. always been a shit Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but Aaron, you know, you've been, on, to you've allegedly. been, you've been a touring musician uh, now for what? Back. Like, yeah. Allegedly like been a shitbag. Ten back. years?
4: Oh, it hasn't been quite that long. It's been since, like, 2011. Okay. But but, yeah. but
2: you've been a touring musician, and so you've been out to see all these different spaces, and, like, it, what type of experiences have you seen out there?
4: Um, I, You know, for me, I, I think that a lot of... We're, we're calling out, like, these big instances of saying like, oh my gosh, like abusing someone, um, touching someone without their permission um, in an intimidating way is bad. But I, I, I want to take it back in a little deeper than that too, because I feel like that's where we get into the territory where it's easy to say, oh, it's these bad guys. Um, Because for me, it's it's just all, it's all tied into this idea of Domination, intimidation, um, and also just saying that you don't belong. Yeah. So for me, a lot of what I, – I mean, of course, I've had experiences where people were really over the top and, and harassing me or, or really disrespectful. And then, of course, like I, there are things like I can't pack up my gear and set a drink down. I have to throw my drink out afterwards right? Yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm not going to just drink a drink that's been sitting there, especially – you right know, with some of the people who like come up and
1: <laughs> say things to me, like yeah,
4: oh gosh, a guy who came up and said, "Oh, your band's so great, so great, so great," and then found out that my um, my bandmate Chris is is my partner, yeah. my husband, and immediately just really turned and and started really giving me helpful advice <laughs> 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 about um... about how to and and basically belittling belittling me and my. In my music because he wasn't I guess able to access me as a potential person to i don't know what with yeah, right. but but I guess what it what it comes back to is that if you it's when I it's the constant onslaught of things like a pedal manufacturer who posts an Instagram post that is a joke about how men buy pedals and their wives get upset about it when the implication is that Women don't play music,
0: right? Mm. And that
4: women wouldn't buy pedals yeah. because they right. don't play guitar. Yeah, I mean, it affects pedals, and it's yeah, yeah. it's that sort of exclusion that I think that the the dangerous stuff comes from a thick bed of that. Yeah, because if you're what you're saying is you don't belong, and our brains are really wired to to form sort of like us and them sort of comparisons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a survival trait. It's where implicit bias kind of lives yeah, in our yeah, brain, yeah. and what makes mm-hmm. it hard to confront. And when you do that, when you when you make an extra effort to say you're other, you're not included. That's that's when you start to dehumanize someone. And when you start to dehumanize someone, that's when you can do anything you want to them.
2: Right, right. Because there's no there's no consequences. Right. They're not a real person.
4: Yeah. So so for me, I guess that you know I could tell different stories about you know, club owners who are really inappropriate um, right. places that I would never book again because of comments made about, you know, how I look or, mm. or where I shower and things yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but for me, it's really, it's that there is a daily feed of information saying, Hey, you don't belong in this space. Right. Um, and, and because of that, it's like, you have to work, extra hard to prove that you belong here and to Mm -hmm. prove that you have bodily autonomy, that you're an adult who can make Mm -hmm. decisions for yourself, that that you deserve to be treated with respect because people have created... And I've seen it... I I Actually, part of the reason we moved back to D.C. was because this is such a great scene and such a supportive scene and so much better in so many ways than a lot of places. But I've seen on Facebook forums, I've seen them just D.C.-based ones or D.C.-area-based ones just devolve into... Discussions about both gender and race that are a bunch of white guy <laughs> musicians from like right. yeah. Haymarket, um, <laughs> reinforcing reinforcing the idea that music belongs to them and that music does not belong to other groups of people, and they're specifically othering those groups of people and using their power, their powerful position in society. I mean, like, look who who's in, who runs music, like who's in yeah. position. And when you power. think about
2: that, like as a listener and as an appreciator of music, that's a really weird concept because if you are, I mean, I guess you could be tuned to just enjoy like lover boy and that's your jam. But like it, really, if you are a music lover and you have to be to make music, I think, then you're a little more open to hearing different stuff. You want to, because it's exciting because you have all mm-hmm. this stuff. For that to drift back into uh, basic misogyny, like the base of misogyny, is such a weird concept for me personally, um, and it's something that we've talked about some on this, is it's I have a problem wrapping my head around any of this and have a lot of questions because I just don't, it it makes zero sense in like my worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Haymarket is, like, in Virginia. So that's, I mean, that's part of the problem. You know, this is all tied into uh, not just sexism. Uh, harassment's tied into racism. It's, you know, and it's, it's the idea of us versus them. It's the idea of how we handle the other and the dehumanization of it. Mm-hmm. Um, in sexual harassment, what, like, Girls Against is talking about at a venue and stuff, you're talking about... um I mean, you're you're talking about crimes, essentially, Mm -hmm. that are happening out out in the open, and these are overlooked by institutional things, so you can't help but think, like, okay, this is systemically now, we we have this problem that we have to deal with. Where do we start, like, talking to venue owners, talking to... uh, Bands can say it all day long, but there's Mm -hmm. always going to be that guy in the Best Coast audience who yells at Bethany, like, show me your tits. And... Look, that wasn't acceptable in the 70s yeah, <laughs> it's just right. you know it's
3: you, yeah. Progress, yeah so there's a there's a conversational point and um i come to this from having recently spent like the last like you know year and a half of my life with people who run giant big room massive global globally dumb nightlife whatever um that's my general take on it whatever um, cause they, they, it's, it's a thing and it exists, but the, the real conversation goes from music to commerce. Um, one of the fascinating things that I've noticed in the last 18 years, 18 months of my life is, um, understanding the line that's drawn between music and commerce. They are not, they are not similar. They are entirely dissimilar. Like you can be, you can concern yourself with music. And the second you concern yourself with music more than commerce, you, have to, you, you lose the idea of having a venue mm-hmm. because the venue is concerned with turning a profit. Mm-hmm. And if you look distinctly at the industry of music, there's a sense that booking things for men and male dominant audiences, especially on an independent underground like scene level is the best way to go because you think okay we we need to get 150 people into this space if you speak, if you begin the process of segregation then you start to look at dwindling profit so ultimately and this is one of the great things about like the 90s and the little fair movement and uh you know even in so far as looking at like the early 2000s and the push of rhythm and blues into the, the, the conversation, largely African-American musical you know, genres, is that it was supported by the outside. There were outside larger organizations that allowed for this sort of segregation of music to create the commerce artificially so that then you could let people into the space that could balance out that conversation. And that's the thing that I think you have to always be cognizant of in the music industry is the fact that, because, as you said uh, correctly, it's largely white men who are at the top? Mm-hmm. It's largely white dudes who are at the bottom, uh you know, so like you know whether it's like you know like five guys in a rock band from northeast d c who all happen to be white guys and they're gonna like have their white guy perspective on the thing they just mm-hmm. are and then and and what's crazy is that you would they will these these guys who are you know like poor or struggling or making it you know along the way. So it's a great, great point to think about. I always think about this when I think about this conversation. It's like Foo Fighters. Right. Um, Played Anthem, which is a 6,000-seat venue that is massive and at the forefront of the American music industry. The million trillion dollar music industry. These are also guys at one point who were all struggling local indie dudes making a music thing. Mm-hmm. The, the the notion that at the, that that the people at the top are not so far removed from the people at the bottom makes that whole thing very systemic, and doing the integration or doing the segregational push almost has to be an outside inside thing because when you look at what we're looking at as an industry it's top to bottom Mm -hmm. and people don't stop and realize that like that's the craziness of it. And that's like the, the frustration point of it. And I would even want to point out even further, one of the most intriguing things about, and as a journalist who's written a lot in the EDM space, like the most fascinating part about electronic music in the last 10 to 20 years is the fact that there's so much of an LGBT like communal thing that is part of that community that when okay, so we can't sell music anymore to make money, so you have to turn to the festival. It's like the dance people are like, well, whatever we do is whatever we do, right? All right, cool. So we're gonna like put all of our people in here, and whether that's women, whether that's gays, whether that's lesbians, whether it's transgender, whether that's whatever, like that get, that gets integrated into the space. And it's just something to think about, like in the sense of like. That's the kind of push that is required to make this conversation fair, equal, equitable. Without that push, you need to have some kind of outside agitator to make that possible and to make that sustained. And that's why I'm glad that, you know, you guys are doing what you're doing because on a larger level, that's the conversational point of like, how do you create consistent agitation? Because systemically, it's a a very hard thing to,
0: you know work against well the challenge or the oh i'm sorry go ahead
4: oh i was just gonna say it's a good point about i i feel like you brought up a good point about women not being viewed as serious or legitimate consumers um (laughs) in the music space that and i've seen that before that like um festivals will Mm. gauge sort of who to book based on Um, oh, well, women who are in attendance will just go see whatever their their male partner. This is also assuming that there's like a heteronormative. And
3: what's even crazier to me is that there's always a spot for a hot dude in music because they feel like, okay, if we don't book a woman, then we will book hot dude X that Mm -hmm. makes music Y. And we'll just stand this person on stage and we will presume that because this person is booked That women who want to ogle this person, which gets into a whole other terribly disgusting conversational point, because it's the exact like polar opposite of what we're here talking about today. Mm. And the industry presumes that women are okay with wanting to ogle a man. But the second that a man is the the second that a man wants to ogle a woman, they're like, "Well, well, why is this an issue? We've been putting hot dudes in front of women for ages and I ogle them and it's fine. Well, yeah, because
4: there's a completely different power dynamic.
3: Exactly. I mean... And that's the and I think that's the discussion point that's super important is that and and creating that outside agitational space, you always have to be cognizant of the idea that you have to make sure that you politicize that difference. Because mm-hmm. for the industry, given that it's largely all male. Still which is frustrating, like that 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 conversational point just does not exist because to them sexism is a is a is an economic boost right, well, but
4: people will do it even when it's detrimental the the pedal board company or the pedal company i was I was right. talking about before, I actually kind of pointed out the error in their Instagram post um, and had a conversation with the owner of the company. And um, the magazine She Shreds weighed in on it. And their point basically was like, hey, pedal company, if you're looking for a way to um, increase your female consumer base, because eventually that it came down to that was their argument that that their consumer base was male um, and that they were catering to that. And. So an outside force came in and said, "Like, wow, you're missing out on a lot of customers," and they they weren't interested. They, right. and they I, shut I, the conversation. And down. I think,
2: and you know, you've been waiting to say something. And I think that's where a lot of this gets hard, and why a lot of questions need to continually be asked, because there is a reality called marketing. And if you look at numbers, and it says that, then obviously as a company, you are going to market to that.
4: But what well, if you're reinforcing you're, it?
2: But yeah, and that and that's the questions you need to ask. Like, what if you are reinforcing it, mm-hmm. or worse, it sounds like this company not looking at that. Yeah, mm-hmm. just some dudes marketing research is being like, dudes love pedals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And 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 that is literally that simple for for like people who don't know marketing. It's like people just don't want to spend the time or money. But you can get. I mean, Google collects everything about all of us. Between that and Facebook. I can buy a profile of either of you on that couch and then have shit delivered to your house exactly what you want.
4: That would be okay with me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, no, but no, no part of that. I mean, I I think the the, the issue is, you know, the challenge. So we have, uh, we're trying to make it so that mixed spaces are not by default male-dominated spaces, right? So that we can all sort of coexist in these mixed environments without having... The default cultural setting be the thing that the white male wants, right? Right? Because um, I think Marcus, you brought up the sort of segregational aspect, and I think it's kind of I think I think I think the goal is to to basically, you know, de demasculinize, for lack of a better word, mixed mixed spaces, right, and make them and make them them safer for everyone. And so, to to that point, I keep struggling with this question of like, uh, and just to bring it down, um, kind of a couple of levels, it's sort of the difference between people there's shitty people and then there's sort of neutral people who do shitty things right and and a big part of this has to be getting those showing you know explaining to those neutral people that they're doing shitty things that they may not realize it because of cultural programming or or mm-hmm. or whatever right so that we're kind of separating out the shitty people and leaving them on their own right. as a much lot as of possible that explaining
4: needs to come from other men
0: exactly Very which true. is why which is yeah. why despite the meme about like you know uh, all male panels talking about women's issues i do think and i just had this this uh this back and forth with a friend on facebook the other day that um there's obviously there's obviously uh, a time for men to listen but being that we are the cause of this problem this isn't a, this isn't a violence against women problem this isn't an assault against women problem this is this is men who commit assault and men who commit violent acts right, so right. until we men talk about it it's not, it's it's just impossible for it to get fixed
3: right I'm going to pass along a, a, a story and insert this into the conversation because I feel it's relevant. Um, I was having a conversation with a male friend of mine a podcast with on occasion, Geronimo, and I, we were talking about um, Do Me by Bella Bib DeVoe, which is a song that's existed for 25 years. <laughs> and for 25 years, people have neglected to note in public that there is implied rape and sexual assault in that song. The idea of there's a girl who is backstage and underage and adolescent who likes to do the wild thing, and that's perfectly okay, gets glossed over. So, I mean, I use that as a, as a comedic point to, to add some, some levity for people who are listening who may think this is all too, like, way too serious. I mean, it's a serious issue, but there are people out there that are slow, and they're going to be yeah. like,
2: yeah. But remove the underage from that, and that is Okay. Like that, and I think that's what gets squashed down. Like, you know, women, men, whoever have right to their bodies. Right. Yeah. And if somebody likes, if somebody is a groupie, right. and wants to go and bang whoever, if some guy is, uh, or flip it around, if the Go Go's want to do every guy in the audience, it's their right. I mean, this is this this is uh, this is this is how. Sexuality is supposed to work. It is when we have these violations of stuff that is the problem. And right, you rightfully said it's a mm-hmm. male problem. It's the power structure of that. It's not understanding that just because you're backstage does not mean that that's what you want.
4: Right. And you're kind of like, I think you're going into sort of positive sexuality territory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's part of the problem is that when we talk about issues of consent, I mean, what makes it wrong about the underage person backstage is is a consent issue. And yes. that, that person is yeah. not able Absolutely. to give consent. Um, And there are, you know, many reasons that you might not be able to give consent, including being intoxicated or right. being right. unconscious. Um, But there's, uh, we talk about consent a lot of times in that sort of like negative way that I think that, People who subscribe to what you were talking about, that old, like, it's rock and roll, like, we're yeah, being yeah. rebellious, right. um, are kind of like, you can't tell me what to do with your rules and right, your boss. Right, right, um, right. but, but consent goes both ways. Consent has a positive connotation, too, which is what you're talking about, that yeah. that people do have the ability to seek right. out pleasure with themselves or with other people of their choosing. Um, the, and and the we don't on, talk about that as much. No,
2: no. And the, and, the, and the point of failure in all this is for people who don't understand that that point of consent exists. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and if you try to, I mean, you know, Fugazi famously, right, would, would kind of police their crowds and, yeah. uh, and stop playing and basically call out specific dudes in the audience. Those and ice they were.
4: Cream eaters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. I see you. <laughs> <matter>. <laughs> you all it,
0: tough, but it,
2: interesting story about that. My yeah. friend, uh, Steve Reed, uh, the, the last time Fugazi ever played The Flood Zone in Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. he, um, the girl was knocked down in the front of the stage. The flood zone was sort of like the anthem. It's like, it was like three stories. It's a big place. Okay. Um and they uh security immediately picked him up and started yelling at him, telling him that he was trying to rape the girl. He was not. He was picking the girl up because she was gonna get her head stomped because right. it's a Fugazi show. Uh he was pulled outside and then the owner pulled a knife on him. Oh shit. Ian got off stage, ran outside and like stopped it and grabbed him in and then just shouted like the th- thing down from the stage shouted at the guys up front they're like did you not see this person fall this woman fall you know do better than this and then played bad cop for the second time and like wow, and it no. was like fuck you broke the mic and they never played in richmond again
0: well they're and they and they were famously treated as these like killjoys or like the sort of the nags of mm-hmm. of punk rock right, because right. they wanted everyone to be able to have a good time and to have like a sense of personal autonomy and sovereignty in there at their shows and and maybe you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Fugazi. Well, I actually, no. I don't think they were over the line. I don't think. I don't think they no. like like. I don't. I don't. I don't think there's anything to be said about like. Oh, the message wasn't well delivered. I think. I think that's. I think that's how scenes need to be policed as aggressively mm-hmm. and and with support from the top. Right. Right. Yeah.
4: Well, and, and I mean, going back to what you were saying before about like, how do we take this problem that is is a a problem of the people who are in power and. To imply that in order to have a good time, you have to create a situation in which other people can't have a good time or are only there to service your good time, is, right, right, is yeah. ridiculous. Right. I mean that, and that's that is something that I I feel like happens on on a level of people who don't recognize it and and wouldn't be classified as like the horrible people you were talking about earlier. And that's I, I was in a I was in a restaurant earlier today, and they had on one wall they had a tolerance or intolerance isn't tolerable sign and then they had this chalkboard where people can write inspirational quotes and somebody had written that a girl should be like a butterfly pretty to look at but hard to catch and they had just left it up there And I was just <laughs>
2: like, <What? laughs> so they were quoting <laughs> I, I, hey,
4: 311 right. I was. oh is that i was just i was horrified i just like <laughs> i wrote <laughs> i took a piece of chalk and wrote under him. it and was just like um yeah a girl should be whatever it is, however it is a girl wants to be yeah. but the implication was that a girl should be in the service of being visually pleasing to what i'm assuming is a man and
0: chaste and caught and somebody yeah. thought
4: that that was an inspirational like nice thing to write on girl, a wall girl power
0: hashtag resist
2: <laughs> but that is for people of like my age and i guess it still goes on that's how people are men are are raised to varying degrees and you see it in like movies you see it John Hughes is a great filmmaker, but every single film he made reinforces that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. There's there's zero female empowerment in any of his films. It's all about, oh, if you do this, you get the
0: girl. Broadcast news, which is otherwise a perfect fucking movie. There's Mm -hmm. a scene where William Hurt is doing a story and it involves date rape. And the James Brooks character says something like, oh, you, you're blowing the lid off of Noogie or something like that. And it's like, and like the movie is otherwise tonally perfect, except for that one moment that makes it impossible to, right. to enjoy it. But that's, but that's how sort of casual. Well, I how, think th- yeah. And
4: right. that goes back to like, okay, well, who, who wrote and directed and like how many, like how many writers were in the room and like how many of them were women? I mean, it's, it goes back to like, who's in power of it? How many of the producers were women? Who who's creatively in charge of it, like every step of the way, and right. it can't just be tokenism because um, women's experiences are very different. I mean, we we're you know talking about women in general terms, but we also have to face the truth that a lot of these things we're talking about are compounded for uh, women with disabilities or women who are trans who are yep. mm-hmm. more likely to be assaulted or harassed or attacked.
0: Yeah, there's a women really of int-
4: color, like women who are also yeah. gay. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Um. So, so you need to have what you were saying earlier about putting like a like eye candy for women on stage. There, there's just this sort of like, what can we do that women will like? But like representation, never for some reason <laughs> yeah. is one of those right. things.
0: Yeah. All right, no, all right, was, men, let's figure out what women want. Right? I was gonna, I was <laughs> gonna add
3: something into the conversation that like was was brought to me by my mother, who I talked to this morning about this for some godforsaken reason I don't know. Um, being 71 years old, seems to have some kind of perspective on this. But she goes woman was formed from Adam's rib. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, if America is this country that's based on this constitution that comes from this kind of like, Christi- like Christian-based society, then woman came from Adam's rib. Like, She's like, you'd have to like be driven by science and driven by seeing people as humans first before doing anything in that space and i was like you make all the sense like mm-hmm. there's something that yeah. people don't understand it's just like intrinsic to how we live wherever we live like the general social code is already flawed mm-hmm. in a way where you can go out in the world and say something like that and like a good preponderance of the world will go i've heard that before yeah yeah right right of course yeah. and it's like it's like passed off as just general code not that it's even law or whatever, but it's the code. The coding of the society that the society is wrapped in. And you almost have to like decode that first, which takes like actual, like legislative law. So like I've thought about stuff like the second like the, something like that happens in a venue, you stop the show, the show ends. Not that there's like a point where you say, Okay, well, we're gonna do we're gonna a moment of silence or we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna Get this person out of the venue. You're just like, nope, the show's over. Sorry. It's like
0: a, it's like a European soccer team. Right. Like, stadium. Stadium. Like, yeah. The law has right. been broken. <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody goes home. Everybody leaves. Right. right.
2: But, but to your point about commerce, like, we know that's never going to happen. Yeah. Ever. Right. Yeah. It should. I mean, and, and and this is where you get into the hypotheticals and stuff. This should be a very simple problem to squash. And uh, because, like, again, anybody with half a brain knows, like, you just, you just don't do this. Like, Behave yourself, and it's not so. Like, what are the solutions besides that? That is the one thing. There's a, the other side of that is if you see it and the show doesn't stop, you boycott the venue and you speak out like right. violently again right. about that venue right. and force tell
4: them that's important to you.
2: Tell us it's important to you, and it's not just important to you. It's important to us as a people mm. because you can't. This affects how a person uh, their education. This affects their entire life. Clearly, yeah. Mm-hmm you know the more just the the basic day-to-day harassment level you know i think people men and women have grown numb to it and they're okay but if you're sexually assaulted like you that's it like you this is going to color you the rest of your life and it's not treated as such it's treated as just oh okay and if you if you get caught and that, i think that's the key is is people speaking up, which is a really
4: well, if you get caught and you're held accountable because I mean yeah. that's yeah. been a problem right. yeah, yeah. Too.
2: and held accountable, and you know, but that and speaking up is a really like touchy subject because it is not a woman's responsibility at all mm. to revisit her pain to speak up, but at the yeah, same and it might
4: not be emotionally healthy and it might either, not be emotionally healthy, person. yeah,
2: so there's all those reasons for that, and the dude just shouldn't he should have known matter in the first place, shouldn't have done it, but at the same time if people don't speak up and at least move certain, take bad actors off the board through the yeah. systems that we have in place, it doesn't change. And that's, that's like this vicious for me. this is one of my biggest questions. It is a vicious catch 22 uh, because you see somebody like downtown boys, I right. uh, see Sadie Dupuis uh, bleach and stuff that if I integrate safe spaces in shows and people, you know, may scoff at them and we have, we've made the joke, be like, well, if people would just like not be assholes, yeah. like it's it's gonna be okay. But we also recognize that people are assholes, and you know, so like, what besides raising awareness? What is girls
1: against? Like, what are they putting anything into place? Yeah, the the biggest thing that we're trying to do because it's weird because in terms of DC and me being the representative here, I, I've asked a couple of venues of like you know how is security. Run? How's your? What's your protocol in terms of? How are they trained? Exactly. And, and the thing is, is that in the UK, as as far as you know, venues are concerned, it, it's run by a larger firm, to my understanding. Um, they, there's a general protocol, like you know, whenever you have an employee to run security, there's a
3: nightlife mayor.
1: in yeah. <laughs> London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, with DC, it's weird because you know when I've talked to other bands about you know what should we do as a band or sh- what should you know, a venue or security, et cetera. When we bring up security, it's just like, it's, they're not accessible for the, the main thing. You know, if you're in a pit or if you're in, you know, anywhere, I mean, from having back and forth conversation with, you know, other representatives, it's just like, you never see, or it's not easy to see security, especially when they're up front. They're not in the crowd. They're not, you know, at all accessible. So in case, if you do need help for whatever reason, they're not there, you know, to help anything. You know, surely you know if you have a situation where someone did touch you you know and, and um you for whatever reason meet security that it shouldn't be a thing for you to worry about saying like oh well i didn't see it oh. you know like yeah,
3: i, uh, I want yeah, uh, uh, to yeah want to
2: yeah it 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 should be and that that's a very single thing and i will call out like people at IMP right like Seth Herwitz right 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 um Steve Lambert at yeah. DC9 and Rockaway Hotel right uh Dante at Black Cat this is a policy that needs to be in place. If somebody comes to you and says this, remove the person who did the act. Yeah. Period.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can speak to security because um, working uh, like I do over decades and having an actual hand in like the crafting of the policy, like having to actually write it out. Right. Um, there's like two key points. Um, number one, security for men and security for women are completely different things. Like literally night and day. hmm Um, When it comes to men, because most security guards are male, there's not any sort of nuance in the policy. If guy A punches guy B, you grab guy A and guy B and throw them out of the venue immediately. If woman A strikes woman B, there is first a policy that says that the female security guard that is present is the first line of defense. So if you don't have a female security guard present in the venue, the male security guard has to stop and assess the situation and then has to proceed to act in a manner that does not constitute sexual violence against the woman. So there's like three layers there that like a male security guard has to go through. It is all important to the conversation. Like Number one, they have to assess whether or not the female is inebriated in any way because sobriety is important because you want to have consent because what the security guard is about to do can be misconstrued as illicit touch, right? Like say there's a girl who's about to fall over uh, a ledge. And the only way that you can grab her is to grab her around the waist and pull her back. If the girl is drunk and wakes up and is like, what the hell just happened? This person touched me in an inappropriate way. They're not, they're, these are serious things, right, that right, people.
2: But, but again, you are talking about putting commerce over the needs of of the person.
4: Yeah, that's all about liability. Yeah, yeah that's, that's
2: all about liability, that, and that, yeah. and that I mean that type of shit needs to end.
4: But going going back to the idea of there not being female security, that's not i i i that's not true for every club, and I actually feel when I walk into a club or a space and to play or to see a show, and I see a diverse staff that makes me feel way more comfortable because it Mm -hmm. makes me feel like that beyond commerce that that is an ideal and a standard that the venue holds dear Right, and Mm -hmm. most
3: venues do now i know i could speak for the the panorama family we have security guards of all and that's like a recent thing for us in like the last six to eight months it's just like actively like proactively being like okay because Echo Stage is one of the venues in Panorama's like, holdings, right. and Echo Stage does 3,000-person, largely EDM shows right. where kids are doing God knows what to who knows what to wherever, and insane things tend to happen. So you need this crew of security that is spans across all sorts and types of people so that that level of liability is there, and there's also that level of comfort for the people who are coming into the venue as well. That's the hardest line to draw, I think, is that you want to signify to people with your security force that I am secure uniquely and that I can find myself within this team of security. This, of course, when you get to like a DC-9, is not exactly going to happen because, well, it's a 125, 150 person venue. And the idea of like, how many security guards would you need to police that space? Probably two or three. You're not going to, like, specifically say, okay, well, we're going to find one woman, one African-American security guard, you know, or in one white person. You know, like, we're going to do that.
4: But it speaks to the culture of the venue, I think. Even if you're saying, like, within this space, like, on this one day, maybe, like, all those people aren't working. But I think that if the culture of the venue is such that they are a venue that goes out of their way to have a diverse staff, that that – because – the policing aspect of security isn't I mean I think we've talked a lot about how deep into the culture this the problem goes, and that's I think what's going to be more effective than just policing each situation no, on I,
3: I agree and I think there's a top down I think there's a top down to it that's intriguing right now, just in, across culture in general. I think that the most important thing that's happened in the last like three weeks is that the New York Times has come out as like this like pro woman anti- Male bullshit publication, and at every single day, I can look at the times, and there's like a story about this is trash and is dumb and has happened. What are you, as men, as larger controlling society, going to do? And I want to see in six months what the trickle down of that looks like because it's going to affect all industries, and especially when it hits the music industry, because music is pop culture and it's easily commodified pop culture. And people like to see the change at the top of pop culture get reflected on their street level pop culture. Mm-hmm. And the hope is to see this as a, a line in the sand moment, where you're like, "Okay, we have to be like super aware of this because now everybody is super aware of this." And I think that a thing that, like, you know, like I had a female friend of mine say to me today, she's like. I've never felt more empowered and more female by accident than I do right now. And, you know, she's roughly a little bit, she's a little bit older than me. So it's like, she's like, that's never been a thing for her. Cause she's like, you know, comes from privilege. and comes from that background. And she's like, wow, like I'm a woman and I have rights. This is amazing. Like I did not know I had this many rights and this many privileges and the things that I needed to like
0: actively, like, you know, like take care of but that's what that's what happens when people are heard right i mean that's the first like when you first have a voice all of a sudden you realize that you're allowed to um and that's and that's what's been so important about me too and about the harvey weinstein thing that um that is unfortunately going on i do i do think to um you raised a good point there marcus which is uh i think a lot of men want to know what they should be doing and kind of what to do next i think and i think that includes venue owners too and so i think and i and, and it's and interestingly i think we've um hit on a couple of things that might, uh, that might, that suggest the need for maybe like codifying best practices for venue owners, right? So what, you know, what should you do? How should you respond to situations? And I think, I think being able to hand people sort of a kit and say, these are what, these are what kind of industry best practices. It's, it's difficult because it's, it's not an industry that lends itself to like the idea of like compliance and standardization and, and, and oversight. But I think for people who do genuinely want to make a difference, ideally, if you hand them, a a roadmap that says here that here are the 10 things you should do in the next 12 months to make your venue more friendly uh, to people who might not feel safe there. I would, I would hope that venue owners would, would pay mind to that. But
2: All of that, all that has to happen, I think. But when you're talking about that uh, and like, like you right, rightfully said, you know, it's hard. It's a, it's a fluid industry. You know, a music venue has people of all types all through you book all the people who go into it, went into it because they don't want to work along to find routines. So the problem there comes in 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 that you could get a group of people through one week that totally internalize all of this. And this is why I I think you're incorrect. I think this isn't a line in the sand. I don't think there's going to be. I think it's it's going to require a massive upheaval in how we think about us as people. Um, and how we treat other people, and
0: I, I don't see that happening. I, I saw really interesting dur- during during the Me Too, yeah. um, uh, during sort of the peak of it. Um, I saw a male friend of mine post something to the effect of, um, and I think he'd seen it somewhere else, and so he was echoing it. But but it was basically like, so if you're so if you're a man and you know that you've behaved in a way in the past that you're not proud of, um, and if you think you're you sort of figured your shit out and you're no longer someone who does that kind of thing. Right. So if you can be honest about the fact that that uh, maybe you weren't able to counter that programming until later in life after presumably you had treated a woman poorly or or, or done something that might have been, you know, an unwanted uh, encroachment or, or something like that. Just comment on here and just say me. Um, and, and and there were some comments, but to my mind, not nearly enough, because, again, we keep talking, you know, we, we quote statistics about violence against women as though that those acts of violence aren't perpetrated by someone. There's just like, right? there's like 10 like,
4: guys out there in the world. Yeah, like, yeah, all like, of it.
0: Like, like four out I'll of every if, 10 women. Right. <laughs> like two, be three. Well, <laughs> free. well, well we, t- we talk about, you know, four out of every 10 women or, or, or whatever. We don't talk about how many men commit, commit these acts, right? So yeah. like, It's
4: it's passive.
0: Yeah, right. right. Um, Mistakes to, were made. Yeah,
4: yeah exactly. Um, and I think we have to even go more into not just have you ever felt like you didn't act exactly right? But like, you need to take notice of where you benefit. Um, Oh, interesting. Just where you benefit societally because that, I feel like a lot of, that's where a lot of the problem, that's, that's where I see a lot of the problem coming from because you'll, you'll start to talk to somebody about just gender bias in general and they'll become very, very defensive. Right. But when you're like, what is it that you're defending and they're denying that they receive a benefit right. from right. their their male a, status? Ad, ad, admission of privilege. But they do not want to let it go. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I,
2: I, I think admission of privilege and understanding the scope of your privilege is a huge thing to solving a lot of social problems.
4: And to know that that doesn't necessarily mean individually because I feel like a lot of times people Correct. will yeah. um come at that with a, like, well, I'm not a privileged person for X, Y, Z reasons and they're not. I'm. They're not looking at the fact of like you as the section that you belong in mm-hmm. of people. Because and and you belong in many sections. I mean, like yeah. I am female and in in that gender place. Like I may have less benefits, but I'm also white and right. I mm-hmm. do benefit from that. Right. Um.
0: But but if you've not. But I mean, uh, you know, guys uh, might think that they walk down. You know, a scary dark alley one night, right? And uh, and you and you do the mental math of sort of like, well, you know, I'll lose my wallet, I'll lose some money or a watch or something, right? Which is totally different from losing your personhood, um, yeah. which is a fear. Because yeah,
4: that- I heard that you could put a wallet on top of a car and
2: that- <laughs> 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 the, the Times Dispatch story, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which was terrible. But and that and that guy, uh, they did the right thing in that case of canceling his column and stuff. But he was also And this is how deep the problem is. He's an older guy. I think he was trying to talk constructively about it. He just is incapable of it.
4: Well, but he's also been a cultural influencer for.
2: Right. Right. And now he's incapable. So even if he wanted to, he just didn't have any of the tools to do it. And that doesn't excuse a single goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. It just now, what the Times Dispatch did correctly, they said, whoa, bro, that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. And he
0: lost his. A, a source of
2: income. Yeah.
0: But but the goal I mean, you know, I, I, and I don't I don't know at what point someone is kind of beyond redemption, but um I think I was in South Africa a few years ago and toured um Robben Island where Mandela was uh, was in prison. And and what's a, like just mind-blowing to me is that today on the island former inmates and guards live like in the same community. Mm-hmm. Um and what happened post apartheid was they had these mm-hmm. conversations about where, we're sort of and, and, and again this is just so mind blowing for us where the way the conversation was structured was that the kind of the white uh, people who benefited from apartheid were also also came to see themselves as having been somehow victimized from the standpoint that they were denied the opportunity to see humanity in someone else and they had been programmed a certain way, and so it took and I think to my mind, it took a lot of generosity and and kindness. Um, from uh, from uh, the uh, black community in South Africa to basically be willing to extend that olive branch and to say, yeah, you were, you know, even though you were the ones victimizing us, you were also kind of somehow victimized by this by, by this an oppressive system, system. Right. Yeah. right? Right, yeah. and Which you were lied to and you were let. It. It. Yeah, like. it's a really right. I mean, I I think for us it's like so anath like like there's 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 no similar cultural moment in the U S. where where we've been able to to do that, and and in fact in most countries it's only it's only ones that have had to really explicitly deal with wrongs like that where people can talk, can have that conversation. And again, the goal, the goal should be to redeem everyone. The goal should be to make it so that people are no longer shitty, or at least the good people who are doing shitty things understand that they ought not to be doing shitty things. Right. right? And so and 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 I think, you know, in our the way our news cycle works, that's not really what happens. I mean, Paula Dean says a bunch of or does a bunch of hateful shit and says a bunch of hateful shit. She 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 loses some sponsorships. She is quiet for a couple of years. She goes to rehab or whatever, and she comes back. And there's no evidence that, that she ever actually came to understand what right. you know the wrongs well, that well, she committed. Music, I
2: mean, Harvey Weinstein. He'll be
0: he'll be he'll be on an apology tour in like three years. Yeah, like, he will be Heath, yep. Heathcliff, Peru and people and and he will yep yep. You guys, and, I mean, if you yeah, guys remember right. Heathcliff, Peru, and yep. this is a guy who
2: years down, down, at least down, a decade in the music industry doing exactly the same shit that Weinstein has is, is talked about now. And it took, I, I forget who did it. Was it Amber Kaufman who, I, yeah. I don't know, it. You know yeah. yeah. Uh, it took her like being explicit in this, which she should never have to do. It right. shouldn't happen. But because she did, he's now out of shit, but he's still got like a career. He mm-hmm. can still do stuff. He, right. you yep. know, and there's no, actual there's there's no consequences for harvey
3: weinstein no none he will uh-huh. he will
0: he will he will be up on the stage at the oscars within a decade and people will be standing up and applauding probably i mean you know Jeez.
3: this gets to a but, uh, conversation about uh, privilege and value that i think is important to to always note in the midst of this um when you note that somebody has value to the system that they are uh, oppressing then you have to like always acknowledge that this value exists. And that's the hardest part of the conversation is when you say like, well, cause I wrote a piece about this when it comes to Harvey Weinstein. And I'm like, okay, well, Harvey Weinstein is the reason why we have Pulp Fiction and, and clerks. So as, as bad of a human as he is, if you like Jay and Silent Bob, then it's, it's his fault, you know? So he still will always have a demonstrable worth um and and then you have to like also look at the privilege that's associated with that worth when you consistently prove that you have worth over and over and over and over and over again Mm. then you gain a certain level of privilege um and then that trickles down because of you know notions of ascribing people towards other people and that's the hard part is like you have to start the process of of like non commingling, I guess would be the word for it. I can't think of the word. Um or or uh not taking you know taking apart the idea that like people who have worth can lose all of their worth for doing things that are socially reprehensible. And and that's hard because that, that goes against the way that we're programmed as people because you're always programmed to say people deserve a second chance. And and that's oh. the first. And that's the mm. first. That's the, that's the first thing you leap to. You are like someone, you know, like but Art, like but R.
0: Kelly doesn't deserve a fifteenth yeah, chance. Just... No. <laughs> no, not, yeah. no, not at all. Right. So, uh, yeah.
3: Not at all. That's the point. And I mean, the second day. And the, the the problem with the second chance is that it's not a second chance. It's a fifteenth chance. Yeah, right. Well, and right. I think right. that
4: it, that's it. Um, it's reinforced by it's not just the the second chance, but it's reinforced by um our concept of men's genius. Because I think if we're valuing mm. That we also would have to value all of the wonderful ideas that never got made because of low representation of certain groups yeah, right. that we don't have and we haven't watched and we haven't read right. um, that aren't in the canon, yeah. and and we don't we don't tend to look at that at it that way and we tend to value mm. what we consider to be. I, I mean, there are studies that show that our concept of genius tends towards believing that. But that's a quality that men have, right. that creativity, right. innovation, and genius are, are male traits. Um, and that like success from women involves more like collaboration and working hard rather than imagination and innovation right. and things like that. Um, and, and that just reinforces what gets made and what gets money thrown behind it and what yeah. gets supported. And,
2: and to which I would direct anybody to Meryl Garbus, because yes. there's nobody – more genius than her on the planet at this moment in time.
3: So, I think also that one of the intriguing things to talk about in this conversation, and I think about this a lot, mainly mainly because I'm I'm getting old, and and that's happening. Like, but I think about like kids now. Mm. I think about like especially like teenagers because like I've fallen into like teenage Twitter and I've fallen into like teenage <laughs> Tumblr and all this stuff. Just in the midst of like doing stuff in nightlife, like you have to like see what the kids are into. And what 's amazing is that like there's a whole generation of kids, men and women, young young men and young women, who are growing up believing seeing women do astounding things, and they're losing a lot of that conditioning, like you know Solange made the best record she did you know it's like there's there's and there's no male court. Well, we'll go back <laughs> We'll say we will say that the sisters Knowles, who are both African American yes. females, created the best records. You know, they did, and it's like a, it's like a demonstrable fact. Like you know, Issa Rae does you know uh what's the name of her show? Insecure, and it's a great show. You know, and she's a, another African American woman. And then you like stretch that across like to mainly women right now doing brilliant incredible things and kids are coming up with with the notion that like as much as a, a man could do something great there's like five women out there are doing something like right. equal and or greater so like to that point i want to say that like it's it's fascinating that like us as like old adult people are like left this kind of like weird like Binary sense of the world, where like it's man, woman, and you fight against it. But for kids who are coming up, they're in this weird sense where there's a fluidity, and you don't know where it's coming from, but you know it's great, and so you just accept it for being what it is. Which the final point of this is that we're in this space right now. We're like, I feel like we're kind of like figuring out like. the the end of one level of humanity that like doesn't exist for a whole other generation of people coming up who kind of like came up in this like weird like digital first analog humanity second thing. And I find all of this intriguing in a sense that like, we're kind of like closing off this thing that is horribly flawed. Mm. You know, like there's generations of humanity prior to the internet age and prior to open discourse were things that were flawed just took place every day. And there was no way to call somebody out. And there was no uh-huh. way to like have constant policing and constant understanding of this is wrong and this is why. And it's like we're closing it out. And it fascinates me because in the midst of closing it out, people are so mad and you're just like, well, you know that like you're wrong, right? Like This is not <laughs> like the 1970s where it's like, you might be wrong. No, we're going to pass a constitutional amendment that says we are right. So that that just doesn't exist now. So it's like, but I think well, we got to watch
4: way. the Supreme Court, though. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And well, I, I also think it very much remains to be seen whether like the impact of technology and the kind of, you know, post-digital age on all these social ills, because I think it's it's kind of magical thinking to think that it'll cure everything, especially when when the companies that are well, well, right, but the companies that are producing these things are actually replicating the old societal structures, right? Um, Look as at we get the know stuff from,
4: that just came out about who was behind Gamergate.
0: Yep, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's very it's it's just I I I, I do I do like the so I, I I think the generations coming up behind us are gonna are gonna be better at this than we are. I think they have so, degrees of freedom that that we all didn't, but but you know, there is always gonna. I mean. There's, there's always some dude who's going to wake up somewhere who thinks that someone who's not, who does not look like him, needs to be put in their place, right? And so, were you, were you going to say something, Aaron?
4: I just wanted to say that it also, as much as there is something really great about, of course, like you know, you want to see representation and you want to see like someone like you doing things that are great, but it can't all be about exceptional women. It can't. It that doesn't fix a problem like that. Mm-hmm. That um. There's that's the kind of the like glass ceiling sort of argument right. where that like it has to be a much more fundamental level than that, that people are. And I think that like having that like feeds that and it can help help it. Um, but we mm. can't we can't end there with like I, I just I've gotten into a lot of arguments with dudes who were like, well, Taylor Swift makes a lot of money. As if that's not like, oh, yeah. as, right. as if like you one, one. one yeah. woman in power is like, is like a rule yeah. rather than an exception. And, right. and we just have to, and so, I guess when you're talking about like looking at your own scene and what can you do, that's, you have to not just be looking for big things. You have to be not just looking for like, because there's a, I mean, playing guitar a lot of times like you get you fall into that sort of like oh you have to be like the cool girl Mm -hmm. like you have to play along with this the boys club it's
2: basic iconography that's built into like everything we do and
4: right right Um, and and it can't be that it has to be that there are spaces for women to create what it is to be to do this on their own and that that includes like non-musician women and music lover women and, right. and all kinds of women are, are just deserving of respect. And I just wanted to say, I just thought of that because like all the time people were like, well, what's it like to be a woman in music? And it's like, you know what? It's like being a woman. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like being yeah. a woman in the U S <laughs> right, or in right, this world. Right.
2: I, I think as we start to wrap this up, because I think we've explored uh, pretty well, the, at least got into the, the quote unquote big bad of this that we know. And it's not just like, Sexual harassment, sexism exist outside of every other bad thing. Right. This is, uh, it's multimedia, mm-hmm. <laughs> multimodal. Uh, I want to see, like, propose some solutions to this if we have any. I know Girls Against has some mm-hmm. that you've spoken about, but also, you know, I, I think what you said, Marcus, is insanely hopeful. But there might be a nugget of truth to that if people. Grow up and just ignore that asshole strain of of humanity, and just say we don't. Uh, this doesn't exist. We treat people well. Yeah, that it it moves out of that, but that can take generations.
0: Yeah, and I th- and I think and I think we need to make sure there's a high social cost for. For being that horrible person, and 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 well, it, my, might, my, it might come to that. And yeah. my, my ambivalence about technology is that I think it actually takes away some of the social cost because because it used to be if you were a fucked up person and you wanted to find other fucked up people, you had to work really hard to go find them, right? And now mm. it's just a couple of keystrokes, yeah. And you're plugged into a community of like the, the. Well,
4: if you're talking about safe spaces for like women, like Twitter's not one of them.
2: No, <laughs> no right? No, 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 no. no. You want
3: to? I'll make a point here about like there needs to be just a, an, an acknowledgement of unfettered allowance for female exceptionalism because i think that's a trickle down and i think that's the easiest way to begin any sort of rectification but, of all of this but, but i
2: think what Aaron just said is like it's it's not about exceptionalism but it's it's, it it's about it's about just being it's okay that you're doing and you're you're just a human being yeah.
3: Yeah, but I, th- I think that the key is that exceptionalism for people who are for lack of a better term, ignorant forgets an awareness that the commonplace can exist. So to me, it's like it's a it's a it's a trickle because you can't just like throw the 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 okay. So like you can't throw the it's Inter-Japan a, it's a on,
4: Billie Jean King. I mean, right, like, yeah, yeah, right. It's one Inter-Japan branch open. of what needs to happen, but it can't be the only branch.
3: Right. No, but it's like, but it's like, but I think that the one thing about the digital era that's intriguing to me is the sense that it like. You can't, like, you don't inspire one to one or one to five or one to ten. You inspire, like, one to, like, a million now, which is, like, fascinating. I think that's the thing that people don't understand is, like, if you do something great, then, like, a million other people have the potential to be, like, inspired similarly to do a great thing. Yeah, And then that becomes this kind of, like, echo chamber of exceptionalism where even if it becomes, even if it just is commonplace – Even if it's not exceptional by the standard by which we judge exceptional things. It's It's exceptional to the person that was inspired to do the thing. And that begins the work. So when that becomes commonplace, when people are just creative and motivated and inspired, and then you go into spaces and you see these spaces. Like for me, it's like the one great thing about the internet is that I'm able now to like from like all the years of writing about EDM. I'm inspired by like young women worldwide who are getting behind the decks and DJing their own parties. My favorite thing in the world right now when you talk about like creation of safe spaces and my favorite thing to watch on uh, Instagram and mainly I'm laughing because it's like awesome is that like at least once a weekend when I'm going through like my Instagram stories there's some young woman somewhere in the world who stopped her party and got on the mic and yelled at some dude for being fucked up. Yeah. And it's like the most amazing thing, and it's like, like they'll like stop the party, and it's like, hey, listen, dude, you're fucked up. Get out, get the fuck out of my party, or else. And you're just like, yo, that's awesome. And then like, there's like general applause, and then music starts back up again. Yeah. And like, you you see this like probably trickling out. And I know I know I'm not the only person seeing this, and I know that this probably exists in other like pocketed scenes, but to see that kind of replication is cool because you're like, okay, maybe we're getting somewhere. Maybe it's not ideal yet. But we're getting somewhere. We're like, this is becoming like, it is an acceptable moment that I see all the time, so therefore it's commonplace.
1: For sure, and I think to go along with, you know, Girls Against, I mean, along that point with the internet, you know, um, yeah, for sure, for safe spaces for women, for sure Twitter is not the ideal location. (laughs) But I mean, for whatever reason, you know, when Girls Against hit my timeline by whatever some Twitter algorithm that worked out, you know, um, it provides you know, like-minded people that outlet and, right. and, uh, for, to find each other. Cause I'm, I'm talking to people, you know, in Skype, you know, sessions with people in Toronto, people in Edinburgh, Scotland to talk about plans of, you know, poster ideas or to, to certain strategies. Like what are su- some things that we could suggest to independent, you know, um, venues who have their own security personnel, you know, like what m- can make them more accessible, you right. know, and certain ideas like that um do they have Do you guys have any kind of handbook no not really um best best, best practices yeah best practices yeah Uh, from a standards writer over here yeah
4: (laughs) (laughs) well and that would be great because i feel like so many people would be interested in that yeah Yeah.
1: and along that vein now um in terms of you know the edm scene i mean there's even a, a scene in terms of you know girls against being founded by like you know kind of looped around that kind of indie, indie, indie rock yeah, yeah. you know scene you know you are seeing a huge wave of you know British and American artists you know who are female who are incredibly you know I mean we look at the higher echelon and say that thing about ex, you know exceptional exceptionality um there are you know bands like uh, Wolf Alice out there bleach yep. you know mm-hmm. um, pale waves uh, you know dream um Dreamwife there's a plethora of brilliant brilliant talented people. Who just for the sake of it got inspired picked up you know guitar and just want to go for it you know yeah. um just to say their piece and are willing to you know take a stand against stupid shit you know um yeah, yeah. and i don't know um drawing a blank <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no.
4: that's hard to do and this is another place where i think that people who don't know what to do can be supportive talking about twitter and talking about people yeah um like women taking a stand and saying something is one place where you can actively really support is um, that women who do say something online will tend to get attacked. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And that is definitely a place for allies to step in. Not even something something. controversial.
0: Women get attacked just for existing online. Yeah. Yeah. For having having an opinion or
4: daring to say something. Yeah.
2: What do you mean? The sky's blue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And we didn't talk a lot about allies, but I mean, in, in men, if you're listening, uh, 99% of the time, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, if if a woman comes to you and says, this happened, it happened. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, that is one solution. And it's an easy one that everybody has to internalize. It's like you said, people get defensive and stuff. Just don't get defensive. You run through in your head, but what if, but what if, keep it inside. (laughs) Like, use your inside self to just be like, I'm shutting the fuck up right now. I'm going to listen to this, Mm -hmm. and we're going to work through this and figure out what that is. Because otherwise, the next time, that person won't come to you, and they won't go to anybody. They will run out of people to go to.
4: Well, and realize, too, that an experience that you might not see as traumatic or anything unusual right. might be a completely different different experience to someone based on their identity. Yeah. Um I'm I'm thinking of like like somebody who's doing something that is like a really really dominated part of the music industry like running sound. Yeah. Um and I've known mm-hmm. women who've done that and have been in situations where somebody was really disrespectful to them and a lot of times like guys will say like oh well this is just a tough business and you just have to have a thicker skin. And it's like well it's not exactly the same thing. There's, yeah. there's a power dynamic and there's the constant flood of like information coming at you that you you don't belong there, that you're not worthy, that you're not good mm-hmm, enough, yeah. that you're not going to be accepted. And this person's reinforcing it. Yep,
1: The countless amount of interviews that I've done with other bands, you know, it's just like, oh, aren't you like the drummer's? Girlfriend, or something like that, or like, yeah. well, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I've been asked if yeah. I was the
4: merch person, it's like just, at my own shows. <laughs> it's
1: ridiculous, like the which the, is I,
2: so, and that, but then but those those things are easy to laugh off because that is like it's easy to just be like, oh, toughen up, right, right, you know, it's, mm-hmm. who cares, you know, because you get on the stage at the nine thirty club afterwards. So like, fuck that person. Right. But that is what we were talking. And that's why I wanted to get it, uh, make people or uh, help people understand it's a systemic problem. Right. And when you start there, it is a very short trip somebody getting raped in the back of a van Mm.
4: well and we didn't even talk about genres of music like country or like well we'll have to do this again i am
2: i'm all about like doing this as as long as it takes (laughs) to do it um but yeah you're right and and we just had a discussion uh we've been discussing internally a band that we reviewed uh midland Mm. and i said we had a great discussion about them and i said to marcus i said but are we going to be able to get this episode out before one of those dudes is accused of date rape or commit sexual assault?
4: Oh my goodness. And
2: that's a real thing because he's a dude. They're pretty dudes in country and that's the industry and that's yeah. Right. And, and that's the culture we're dealing with in music that it's absurd that we should have to think like that, but, Sadly, because men suck yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of shitty men out
0: there we're not we're not man. not in um, short supply, yeah.
2: but yeah, we will do this again uh we're run out of time right now. Andrew, thank you for coming by. you're welcome. come by anytime you want, thank same you with you you, you know where you know where you'
1: live. And, uh Thanks. next time now, I
4: live really close next time,
1: bring Chris and arrow we'll, yeah. we'll introduce them yeah, before I close out um, thank you once again for yeah. having me on. It's like the first time anybody's you know giving me a spot you know mm-hmm. to really explain what the campaign's all about um normally it's just. One or two people at a gig because they see a poster. So I appreciate the platform. Yeah. Um. Just want a brief shout out to you yeah, know plug it. people like, to Girls Against. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram at Girls Against. Um. Really simple to find us. Um. I want to also thank uh Ellen for starting our newsletter. Uh, we just started our first edition uh, last month. About a week, uh, week or two weeks ago, the issue came out um slow dive interview should be up soon once i get my ass together you know yeah um post it up we're we're all writers here we know dude yeah yeah (laughs) for sure and um also um alice porter who's like an intern for the nme who Mm -hmm. also have given us uh plenty of like articles to you know an ability to uh, give us a platform as well um she has uh, started a book club as well so uh Feminist titles, um, anything to really inspire anybody. Um, we're looking forward to that, so um, kudos to that. If you're interested at all uh, at joining us, we're looking for representatives. We only, again, have five in North America, so um, give us a DM on Twitter. You know, Yeah, and yeah.
2: get me the links, and all these links are going to be
1: in the show notes for the for post sure. up on our site. Yeah, um, it is a lot I'm of interested. fun. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you meet a lot of great people. You meet a lot of... Um, brilliant brilliant uh just kind human beings like in this room who are just sympathetic to the issue and wanting to make change um plus you get to like learn about awesome bands and that yeah. type of thing so
2: yeah thank mm-hmm. you very much all right thanks guys All right, big thanks to uh, Andrew and Aaron. Uh, I'm not going to thank you, Eduardo, because you were sitting in my goddamn chair. Uh, and to you, Mr. Dowling. Yes, sir. Uh, come down. This is, uh, you know, as we've made it through this year, I, I think what we've found is that less that we want to shit on records or whatever, but we want, we want to make sure our conversations mean something. Right. And then we're talking about something. Yeah. And uh, whether... Whether or not that reaches a lot of people I'm, I don't think we're really concerned about that No, It's the value it's, add of it all It's, 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 it's what, it, what it means And so that's what we uh, Hope we did, if you hadn't heard of Girls Against uh, Now you have, uh, go out there Follow them um, I know they are looking for more reps All over the world uh, And uh, we're going to help try to hook them up With uh, people like IMP at the 930 Club Yeah. What's up Maggie Cannon And uh Madeline Dutt and Audrey Schaefer. Yeah. Uh, please look into them and, uh, and then, uh, you can do that in your town. Just Mm -hmm. go out and and say, Hey, you know, we, this is what we demand. We aren't talking about the entire world. You, you, I hate saying you can't change the entire world, but you can't, but you can change, change yourself. You can change those around you. And, and as more and more spaces change, uh, then we're, uh, We end up in a better place. I hope. I hope. Each one teach one. Yep. Easiest. Easiest rule. Uh, That's it for this uh, this episode of Chuck Gus Podcast. It for the week. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. Listen to us on uh, Stitcher, Mixcloud, or Google Play. Not yet on Spotify. I don't know what their fucking deal is, dude. Maybe do you know
3: somebody at Spotify? I might. I I, I do actually. Okay,
2: Just call Uh, them like yo podcast needs to go here. Shout out to Eric Fox. You, yeah, good you, boy. Can, you can leave us a, a message or a rating or whatnot, or you can just email us directly, especially for this one. There's a comment section right below it. I'll probably open up a Twitter thread or something. Uh, reach out. I'm at, uh, we're at Chunky Glasses. I'm at, at chnkykevin.com uh, you're at what at Mar- uh, marcus
3: k dowling m a r c with the m a r c u s k d o w l i n g yeah and
2: and if you guys have thoughts want to interact with anything we said offer suggestions uh this is about uh this is about a dialogue not to call it back but this yeah. is about a dialogue about what we can do to make the world hopefully a better place uh and uh, that is it. not yes. going to bore you with a track because i don 't think any track could do this justice. We're going to be back on Monday, you and me, brother, talking about Kalayla. Let's get it. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. Yes, yes. Uh, until then, uh, get out and see some live music. I Actually, you know what? I'm going to be at two shows. Uh, what's the name of the guy? The <laughs> Soul Guy. David. <Damn> <laughs> We're back to the Fact Space. Um, I'm going to be at Songbird on Saturday night. I'm going to be at Pearl Street Warehouse. Justin Jones, if you are in the D.C. area and you have not seen Justin, he put out one of the best albums of last year. Definitely. And he didn't even, he, he was like, no marketing, and just like, people just don't know, it exists. it's amazing. Meet me, and maybe you'll be down there at Pearl yeah. Street Warehouse. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Him, Sarah Curtin, the Coward's Choir. And um, and then, uh, yeah, on Monday, we'll, uh, we'll get back to it. Sounds like a win. Yeah. Yeah. So. Until then, uh, be good to your ears, be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon.
1: <laughs> oh. Kenobi!